Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thanks, church. You can be seated this morning. Gotcha. It's this evening. You guys knew that. Someone's backing me back there. That's great. How are we all going tonight? Going well. We're a lively bunch. Don't you love seeing the house that got packed? I love seeing it packed. Um, so good. So many people here. And uh, yeah, if you're a guest in our home, we're so glad that you're here. And uh, you get to listen to me for the next six hours. Um, it gets them every time. No. <laughs> um, so good. But um, yeah, I, I'm so excited to get into this. Uh, we've been talking about the victorious life. Um, I don't know about you. I want to live the victorious life. And uh, yeah, we're going to get into the Word of God so very soon. And it's going to be um, the best time ever. You're going to have the best time ever. It's going to be so good. But um, I've had a few victories in my life. Um, quite a few indeed. Um, I'll take you back, back in my day, um, I'll take you back to 2009. Who is still here in 2009? All right, cool. Probably still here? <laughs> back to the future? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I meant by that. But uh, 2009, it was, uh, I was about 14, 15, went to Meriden. Any Meriden people? Woo! I think you went, yeah, so good. Yeah, we got a cheer squad over here. This is awesome. Um, so I went to Meriden, no biggie, first one to graduate there, whatever. <laughs> like um, from the school when it first opened. Cool. And uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, and I was in grade nine, about 14, 15. And uh, for our elective for sport, uh, you could choose whatever you wanted to do. They had, I don't know, ping pong, basketball, a bunch of different things. And I chose baseball. Um, and from that moment, I fell in love with baseball. Baseball's awesome. Um, not much, uh, I tried to get into the Dodgers, um, but I didn't quite get there. I, li- I really liked playing it though. It was awesome. And anyway, I remember our first game. First game was so good. Uh, we went to the Kiwana Field. We're versing Kiwana State High. If anyone is from Kiwana, sorry, we're going to have to ask you to leave. Um, all right, no one? Cool. No, just kidding. You can stay here. There's a place for you, like we just said. Um, no, please be here. Um, and yeah, we're versing Kiwana State High, and it was our first game. The only thing that we'd done with baseball was training. So we were like on the bus. We're going there. We're excited. We're nervous. We don't know what's going to happen. Well, anyway... My position was left field. And they say that the best people play left field. Um, the best, that's the best position. Quite the opposite, I'm almost certain. Um, coach was like, you know what, Nick? I think you do really good all the way at the back left field. That's cool. And I think it's called, you know, when something comes out of the balloon, like, that was pretty left field. Yeah, because nothing really goes out there, you know. Um, so he put me left field. Thanks, coach. If you're here or if you're listening to the podcast, bless you. Um, and I'm out there, and it is the last run of the day. And uh, we are defending, we are outfielding, Kiwana is batting. And I'm telling you, kind of like your generic, kind of like American jock, I don't know what he's doing on Australian soil, but he just comes up to the plate from Kiwana with his baseball bat. Big guy, and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's about to be an earthquake of just like owning this baseball. And anyway, he steps up to the plate, and clink. <laughs> 
big swing, big ding. It goes off and it goes flying. I'm telling you, it was fast. It was hard. It was length. It was strength. It was all of it. It was just flying. And I'm out left field. And guess what? It's coming out left field in my direction. I remember, I can see it. It's over there and it starts to come over here. And I'm doing the mathematics. I'm like, where it's going to land? Oh my gosh, this thing is so big. I'm going to have to start running. So I start running. You know that song. Anyway, and I keep going. Everything went slow-mo. I'm constantly running and running, going this way, looking constantly back at this ball, being like, where it's going to go. So I eventually put out my hand like this, and I am just still running, still running. And I look over as I'm just keep going straight with like, you know, horse racing vision, you know, they've just like can only go one one place, one one pace, and they're going forward. And I just happen to close my mitt. And I look over and the baseball's in there and my team over there is like, yes, going absolutely crazy. They were like dancing. They're like, we just did it. Like they were going absolutely, picture like a whole bunch of 14-year-olds, just 10 of them just going, woo, he got it. And then I'm like, woo, I caught it. It was the best time ever. And you wouldn't believe but that was our first game. We actually went on. The Meriden Marlins went on to win every single game that season, including the grand final. That's what you call undefeated. So, yeah, I'm pretty good at baseball, no biggie. Um, but honestly, undefeated, and I, I love to brag about that story because that's actually how it feels. I know I exaggerate a lot, but that's actually how it happened in the story. Now, there's many victorious moments that we can have in this life, like the one that I just mentioned before. But uh, what I found in life, and I think this is quite obvious, but that every moment doesn't always feel like it feels like it's victorious. Not every moment feels like that. There's definitely, there's the highs, there's the, this is awesome, this is incredible. But we're talking about tonight, how can we live a victorious life of faith, of living for Jesus? And I guess the question that really comes from that as well is, is a victorious life even possible? Is that something that we can even have where we are always in a place of victory? Because I guess you could say sometimes maybe people that old world is saying, you know, it seems too good to be true. Can you actually really live a victorious life? Because I've had many defeats as I've had victories. And I want to be really raw and honest with you tonight, even church, because I want to let you know that just because if you come up, become a pastor, it's not like you're just like winning victories or else everyone would just become that. I want to let you know that I've had a pretty defeated week. This week hasn't been too good for me, to be honest. And there's been moments where I felt like I've been a little bit defeated or deflated. And I won't go into detail of it, but this is what it can be like just being a human. We feel like some things might be over or their time has passed. We feel like, you know what, it's, it's just not worth it anymore. Why am I investing? Or you've given so much to it, then why am I even a part of this? You can feel defeated in life. And if we're called to live victoriously, then why do we deal with defeat? And why do we still feel like we do anyway? And let me reassure you tonight, this isn't Nick's pity party tonight, because I have some good news for you tonight. 
I have some very good news. I'm here to tell you tonight that even though we might have moments that feel like they're defeat, we stay in a place and a position of victory. We can live in that place. And I want to let you know today and this week hasn't been the best week for me. But I'm letting you know I live the victorious life. I ain't given up. Jesus made a way that I would live a victorious life. And I'm not settling for anything else that I might feel right now or you might feel right now because we can actually attain it and it is accessible for everyone here tonight. And it's my prayer tonight that, yeah, those defeats are going to come. Maybe you're feeling defeated and deflated at the moment. Hey, that's okay. You can still live the victorious life in Jesus. It is accessible for you. And that's my prayer tonight that we would live this victorious life that God has for us. Hey, in this moment, if you're writing notes, uh, the title of my message tonight is Victory Has a Location. Victory has a location. Why don't we pray right now? Jesus, I pray that your spirit, God, would speak to all of us tonight, God, as we get real with you, as we get a little bit open, as we decide in our hearts to open up to you, we know, God, that only you can fill it with faith, fill it with good things. And I pray, God, Lord, if anything happens tonight, God, open our ears to your spirit. And Lord, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So can we all agree tonight? This next line that I'm about to say, I'd love to be all on the common ground when it comes to this. And, and what I want you to do is actually think about it. Don't just be like, yeah, I'm for that. But I want you to think about this next line that I'm about to say. Because I think it actually, you know, we do have some time to think about it. Um, the statement is, you're all waiting for it. Yep. I'm not going to give it yet to build suspense. No, I'm going to say it. Awesome. Is you can't have victory without a battle. Think about it for a moment. You can't have a victory without a battle. Because the thing is, is that victors don't become victors from not having opposition. Yeah. Victors only become victors because they've defeated something, because they've become victorious over something, they've become an overcomer of something. And the only reason why we won the grand final, I'm boasting it again, is because we had an opposition. If the Meriden Marlins didn't have an opposition that season, we would not be victorious because there was no one to verse to begin with. The only way we can become victorious or live a victorious life is because... Here's the deal, church. There's an opposition. And that means for all of us that we first need to, before we even get to the ground of the victorious life, we need to understand every person in this room here tonight is that we're in battle. We are in battle. You might be like, you know what? There's no war going on at the moment in Australia. I'm fine. You know, I walk down the street, I get my groceries, I get my milk. I'm all fine. Where's this battle going on right now? And the Apostle Paul makes it so clear to us where this battle is going on in Ephesians 6.12. It says this, For our struggle or battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. You know where the battle lies for your life? Is the battle of the mind. Is the battle for your thought life. Is the battle for your heart. Is the battle for your worship. Is the battle for your attention. And is the battle for your faith. 
The struggle and the battle that we have is in these places. But you know what I kind of see a fault to sometimes is Christians not identifying that they're in war. And when you don't realize that you need to fight, you don't do anything. And then you wonder why you're not winning the victory. I see so many Christians where they're just like, I'm just going to, yeah, Jesus is nice. This Christianity thing's cool. But you've got to understand we're in a war. We're in a battle for your mind, your heart, your soul. Your life is in an everyday struggle, an everyday battle for your faith. And you could be like, well, everything seems fine at the moment. I want to let you know that there is an opposition. And the way that we defeat this opposition is, one, we know who God is. And two, we understand who we are called to be in God. I'll prove it to you in 1 Timothy 6.12. There must be an anointing on chapter 6, verse 12, because there's another 6.12 here. 1 Timothy 6.12. He said this to Timothy, the Apostle Paul. He said, fight the good fight. What is this good fight? He could have said anything. He could have said, fight the good fight of love. could have said, fight the good fight of anything. Fight the good fight. What of? Of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. I love this verse. It preaches for itself. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called where you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That's salvation. That's when we said, Jesus, I want to live for you. I give you my life. I put my faith and my trust in you. And 1 John, the scripture that we've been using for this series, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 to 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world preaches for itself really and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith someone say our faith someone say our faith like you believe it come on and really what I'm here to do tonight is to help you see church and help us see that we can grow in this is that the the victory for battle is found in belief You want to live a victorious life? Then the victory for this battle that we're all fighting right now, that it might not look like it in the the physical, in the flesh, but the battle for your victory is found in faith, is found in belief. It's found in faith that Jesus is who He said He was, that you believe that, and that we are who He said we are. It's believing that is truth. And I want to pause on this question I'm about to ask you because I don't want you to view it in just a human understanding, a, a mind, you know, just kind of thinking about this idea with your mind. But I want it to seep to your heart tonight because we're not faking this tonight. And I want to ask you the question, do you really believe? Do you really believe? Jesus in here do you really believe the word of God more than you believe your thought life thoughts of I'm not good enough Jesus says you are do you believe the word of God more than your current circumstance that you're in oh but God it's hectic right now do you believe that you're an overcomer do you actually believe it do you believe the words of God over your doubts We can even have doubts as Christians. They're fine, but do you decide to choose the Word of God even over them and go, God, I'm doubting right now, but I know you're real. And I know that you love me, even though I don't feel it right now. 
Here's the deal of unbelief. I want to kind of unpack unbelief, and I believe unbelief is a little bit different in the Christian world. Unbelief is not not believing nothing. Unbelief is believing the words you tell yourself above the words of God. You might be like, well, Nick, I believe in God, but do you believe His Word is the highest authority? Or is your authority higher? And then it's like... Oh, God, yeah, you're still in there. No, no, no. Unbelief, because truly you can only serve one God. You can only serve one master. It's either God or it's you. It's either God or your current circumstance. It's either God or something else. And guess what, church? If belief is in the victorious life, then that means unbelief will rob you from the victorious life. And unbelief is not of God. Because victory is found for those who believe, who believe. I want to get vulnerable with you tonight because I think it's so important that you see the struggles of me. So maybe you can identify that maybe there's a little bit of a struggle in you because I dealt with stuff for years. And I'm okay to answer it because I know it's going to help someone tonight. I I know it's going to help someone. Far from the victorious life, that I believe I now live in now, I used to live the, the victim life. Very much so. I was a victim to every circumstance. The life of my past, the life of that person wasn't in my life, the life of he did that, she didn't do this, the life of, it, it, that, they're the reasons why I can't live the victorious life because of those people. And can I say, church, it's so easy to speak Christianese. It's very, very easy. You know, the words like blessing, you know, amen, call of God. And I believe all those three things. I'm going to say them and I'm going to say them genuinely from a legitimate heart. I love those words. And then you've got the classic. Sorry, I had to put it in there. But I just feel like God's taking me into a new season. (laughs) Come on, somebody. If you ain't laughing, then you haven't been there. But anyway. (laughs) I just feel like God's taking me. I'm sorry, I thought that was a banger. <laughs> and you know what I would say? I would say with my words, I believe in you, Jesus, but you don't know. And I find that the victimhood mentality lies with a big butt in between. It's either a bad joke or a good joke. I don't know. But the victim mentality, there's always a but in between. God, I believe in you. And God, I know your word. But I don't know if I feel it today. But my father mistreated me. But I never had a dad to to show me how to shave when I was young. So I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can live the life because other people have. Other people got the things, so so I'm gonna I'm gonna wear it on my chest like I'm a victim and and yeah, I get to act the way that I do because I've been hurt and I I, I get to do this right now. That is not the victorious life, church. That's a victim life and it's robbing you from the victorious life. It's robbing you from what God has in store for you. I was in it for years. My father never loved me, so why would God love me? This, that, and the other. And the gap between my speech and my belief was the difference between me saying that I lived the victorious life and actually living in it. It was the gap between my speech and my belief. So I want to ask you again, do you just say it or do you believe the Word of God? Do you believe it in here? Do you believe that God's Word, you've shut up in your heart, 
his word. And, and, and it's David said, I'll meditate day and night so that I might not sin against you. God, your, your word is the highest authority. I believe you before I even believe myself. It's the reality that you believe that Jesus did what he said he did. Because here's the deal, church, if you need reminding tonight, Jesus paid a price for your life. And the price was not so that his church could walk into the kingdom with a limp. Oh God, I'm in your kingdom, but do you notice this? I'm just limping in with my fears and I'm limping in with my doubts and my pains and my hurts. I'm just limping in. God paid for a spotless bride with his life. He paid the ultimate cost for you and I. And it's not going to come with some victimhood. It's not going to come with, oh, but she did this or he did this. He paid for us with his life. So I don't stand here tonight on my current situation as a victim. I'm a victor because of Jesus. I'm a victor because of what he did for me, not what my dad did to me. I could blame it on my dad all day. done it before. But I know that Jesus paid a high price for my life. And guess what? He paid a higher price so that you don't have to limp into the kingdom. But you'd be born again. It's called born again. You get a new identity. You leave the old. The old is gone. The old hurt. The old pain. It's gone in Jesus' name. We wouldn't carry the world, church, the past and the hurt, but carry the Spirit of God, which is love, which is power, is of a sound mind. There are no victims in the kingdom. There's only victors. There's no victims in the kingdom. There's only victors. And I want to encourage someone here tonight that, hey, maybe my life isn't like, you know, I've been even through worse things in my life, Nick, and you don't understand. I understand that it's painful and it hurts. I'm just saying, would you believe that God actually did something greater than maybe what happened to you? Because this is what it's about. Do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe when Jesus said it was finished that your sin was truly finished? I love what the Apostle Paul says yet again, 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, he says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why this message is called Victory Has a Location is because the Apostle Paul knew, where it wa- knew what it was to place victory. He says, where, O oh death, is your victory? If death is a location, he says, where is it? Because it's not in you. You know what death is? Death is sin. You know what sin is? Sin is unbelief of putting our priorities higher than God. He says you cannot find victory in yourself. You cannot find victory in sin. You cannot find victory in death. But I'll tell you where you can find victory. In the location of the cross and the resurrection. We find victory in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. If you can't have a victory without an opposition, Jesus had the ultimate opposition. All of sin, all of our sin, 
This is the good news of the gospel. He saw an opposition. He identified that there was a battle and he understood that it needed to be defeated once and for all. So Jesus paid the ultimate price. Where I said there's a battle, yeah, but the battle's been won already. So it might feel like, man, there's a battle. There's, there's all these things going on in my mind, in my thought life, in my heart right now. I don't know what to do. That's okay. There's a location called victory, and it's the cross and the resurrection. It's faith in what Jesus did for us. It's faith in the God who we serve, and we know we don't need to strive for it and be like, where can I find victory? Is it in sin? Is it in Him? Is it in me? Where is victory? No, victory is in the cross and the resurrection. Victory has a location, church. And it's believing. Once again, I'll ask, do you believe it? Because you can have it, but it comes at a cost. Do you believe it? The cost is belief. It's not that hard, but do you believe? Where does victory come from? It comes from knowing and trusting God. Jesus died and rose from you. It comes from remembering for what he's done for you. It comes from knowing and trusting who he calls you to be now. You're not a slave to sin anymore. We're sons and daughters of the kingdom. We don't walk with a limp. Remember, I was in ninth grade. Man, this is just Nick's ninth grade story time. <laughs> ninth grade, right? And I'd just done this incredible English assignment. It was like A++. Like, I don't even know you can do that or grade that. HDs all the way around. It's amazing. Wrote it. It took so long because I did it all the night before. Um, <laughs> It was probably one of my biggest assignments. It was like literally 150 words. It was like crazy. (laughs) Written out this whole thing. And the old save as saved it under a new name and I overwrote the whole thing. And it was blank and like a few like gibberish words. I was like, do you want to save this? Do you want to overwrite it? And I was like, I just pressed the, I just pressed the button. That's not good. Literally spent all night. I remember I came to my sister because I was a little, I was a little mummy's boy and just like I would just cry all the time. That's that's what that means. But came to my sister. I'm like, please help me. I've got like one hour until it's one a.m. and like I need help for tomorrow and some of that. She helped me do it all again. But in overriding, what overriding does is you've got pages of words of different things. Go maybe your old life on there could be the the doubts, the fears, the hurts and whatnot on that page. I want you to picture it. Guess what at the cross of Calvary Jesus did? He overrode it and gave you a blank sheet of paper. And I want to ask you tonight, church, have you let the cross and resurrection override your past? You could have in a folder doubts, fears, craziness, Have you let the replacement be the cross and the resurrection? So it's not like you've got the cross and the resurrection in a folder and then you've got hurts, pains, and fears. No, no, no. You once had hurts, pains, fears, victim mentality. You had all that, but then you overrode it and now it's gone because of the cross and the resurrection. It writes you a new name. The cross says a better word over your life than the one of sin. Statistically speaking, I shouldn't be preaching on this stage tonight. 
the world standards should say that a single parent family, which I was raised in, a boy living without a father should be doing a lot different things than I'm doing right now. The statistics say that the fact that I get to be on staff here, I have a fiance, I live the life that I get to live. All of the odds were against me. And you know what it is, church? It was the cross and the resurrection of Jesus that saved my life. And I don't live in victim. I live as the victor and you too can live as the victor tonight because of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. Paul said, I preach Christ and him crucified. That's all he needs. And tonight, church, I I feel the spirit of God as I was writing this. He just said, I want the hearts of my people. Not hardened with unbelief, but soft in belief that I can that I want to override. Some of you have been through some hectic things. And the thing about this victim life that I'm talking about, I'm not saying it's not hectic or hard or crazy or the things we just discount them. I'm not saying them. I'm just saying they're not discounted, but they can be overwritten by a greater word. The word of Jesus that says, thanks be to God that we now have the victory in Christ Jesus. I want to let you know, you can wake up tomorrow not going, I'm really hurt by that person and go, thank you, Jesus that I get to live another day, we'll live with hope. I'm telling you, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, my life has been radically changed. I live a victorious life every day, even in a week of defeat, I'll be honest with you. We live the victorious life. And in this moment, church, can we all just be all, all upstanding? Man, I, I sense the Spirit of God and the presence of God so so grabbing the hearts of people here tonight. Would you mind, we're just going to close our eyes and we're about to sing in just a moment. We're going to sing praise the Father, praise the Son, because He's worthy of it. Some of you here tonight, you've been, you wouldn't even say it, but you know in your heart of hearts, your heart has been hardened by unbelief of just like, you know what? My word might be a little bit better. This is what I want to do, or or she did this, or he did that. I want to let you know God wants your heart because the victorious life is only found in faith in God and Him alone. So tonight as we sing, come on, would you open up your heart again tonight? Would you open up your heart and say, God, I need you. I'll say this just as we're about to sing in a moment, but as I was writing this as well, I have all these coffee cups on my, you can look at me, don't worry, I said close your eyes before. I have all these coffee cups on my desk. It's a really bad habit. You know, they kind of like store up and it smells bad because the milk, four weeks old. All right, not that old, but it's bad. It's getting really bad. Guys, I need help. Please pray for me. Anyway, there was a few on there and I was writing this message and I'm like, you know what, let's deal with this. I opened up one of the lids. Bad idea, don't do it. And this ungodly smell from the pits of hell just came out. And just like went around the room. It was so bad. It was foul. And I was like, all right, I need to sort this out. I took down all the cups, you know, kind of got it all sorted. But the smell was still there. And then I was like, you know, how am I going to get this smell out right now? It's like, and I opened up the window. And there was like this epic wind like this this week. And it just like blew in there. And like the blinds going crazy. And I'm trying to like put it up because it was, it was bad. It was too much wind. And the wind came in. And in just a moment, 
all that ungodliness of the foul, of the gross, it just left. And what I want to say tonight is, as we're about to worship, the way to clear out maybe some ungodliness or some unbelief that might be clouding our heart isn't to try and scoop all the bad out. It's to let the presence in. It's to invite God in. If you need faith, don't be like, God, can you please give me faith? Say, Jesus, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I invite you because the one who is faith can come into your life. And so in this moment right now as we worship, all we need to do, don't strive for a God. Holy Spirit, would you come? I invite you in. Come on, let's worship, church.